Parsha Shmois, we find HaKadosh Baruch Hu trying to convince Moshe Rabbeinu to go down to Mitzrayim and act as the redeemer of the Jewish people. Moshe resists, Moshe objects. And one of Moshe's responses to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is that The Jewish people aren't going to believe me. So Hashem tells him, I'm going to give you three signs, three miracles that you can do, and you will do them in front of the eyes of the Jewish people, and that will bring them to believe in you. The first one, Hashem asks him, what is it that you're holding? And Moshe says, a stick. And Hashem says, cast it to the ground. And he casts it to the ground, and it becomes a snake. A snake so fearsome that Moshe runs away from it. And Hashem says to Moshe, Reach out your hands and hold its tail. Moshe does so, and it returns to being a stick once more. The second sign Hashem says to him, Put your hand under your clothing, take it out. And Moshe did, and his hand had been afflicted with tzaras. And Hashem says, Now return your hand to your chaykecho, to your chest. And he took it out a second time, and now it's become clean. Return to being healthy skin. And the third sign, Hashem tells Moshe, you'll take some of the water of the Nachal, of the Yar, of the Nile River, and you'll pour it out and it will turn into blood. And those signs will cause Klai Yisrael to believe in you. Now, we need to understand a very basic question. And that is, that it's not like Hashem has a, restricted to doing a certain miracle. If Hashem, so to speak, had options, what miraculous could He do to show the Jewish people that Moshe was really the Redeemer? There's no limit to the amount of Nisim which Moshe could have done. And it's not randomly that Hashem chose these three things. So that's the case. We meant to understand that this just wasn't a, another miracle for the sake of showing something miraculous. We meant to understand that there was a message to be learnt from the miracle that was shown. Now, what Rashi tells us is that on two of the three, there was a message for Moshe. Hashem was indicating to Moshe, you've done wrong by speaking badly about Klai Yisrael and alleging that they won't believe you. And therefore Hashem shows him the sign of the snake and Taras which are both connected to Lashon Ara. And the message from Moshe in that, you've slandered the Jewish people. But now the question is, what was the lesson for the Jewish people? What were they meant to see and understand from the Nisim that Moshe did? Well, did they see and understand something? So the Apostle tells us, when Moshe and Aaron come back to Mitzrayim, and repeat the words of Hashem, 
and they do these signs, these miracles, before the eyes of Klai Yisrael. And Klai Yisrael's response, the people did believe, and they heard that Hashem had remembered the, the Bnei Yisrael, and that he could see their affliction. They prostrated themselves and they bowed. So we see the three different points. They came to believe. They heard that Hashem had remembered the Jewish people and that He had seen their affliction. And therefore we have to see these three points in the Nisim that were done. That they believed that they saw in these miracles that Hashem had remembered the Jewish people and that He can see their affliction. And therefore their response, they bow down, they, they prostrate themselves. Chazal said in the Migdash, Vayiktu is going on the fact that Hashem remembered them. Vayishtachavu, they bow down, is going on the fact that Hashem was raw as onya. He saw their affliction. Now just to elaborate on this point for a moment. We see that later on in next week's Pasha, Moshe and Aaron come to Paroi. And Moshe and Aaron also are told to give a moifes, to do something miraculous in front of Paroi. And there are changes. There they only did the first of the signs. And what's done differently by Paroi than was done in front of the Jewish people. Just as an example, it says over here, that Moshe threw the staff to the ground to become a snake, a nachash. When it talks about him doing it for Paroi, it says that Moshe threw, or the stake of Aaron was thrown on the ground and it became a tanin. So there are definitely differences between the two. Maybe something for us to talk about next Shabbos. What the difference was between the signs shown to the Jewish people and the signs shown to Paroi. But what's our topic tonight is to understand the message being given to the Jewish people through the miracles that were done for them. And what lesson or what conclusion does that bring the Jewish people to understand? So in order to do this, Rabbi say, before we look at the miracles, we have to try and put ourselves into the shoes, so to speak, of the leaders of the Jewish people in Mitzrayim. Let's see things from their vantage point and that will help us understand what the message they were looking for was. Klai Israel had been subjugated, enslaved, tortured for at least 86, maybe more years. Was there any sign of let-up, so to speak, in their servitude? Was there any possibility of them being redeemed? Physically, none. They were owned by the Egyptians. They were subjugated by the Egyptians. There was no reason to assume that anything was going to change. That was on the physical level. Spiritually as well. The Zikna Yisrael, if they would look to see why had this goddess befallen us, 
what did the Jewish people do wrong that they were being punished by being enslaved to Mitzrayim? So we find two things. The first one, Klai Yisrael in Mitzrayim were worshipping Avodazar. They had been influenced by the idolatry of Egypt and they had also made themselves subservient to the idolatry of Egypt. When we say in the Haggadah, it's really a mission in Psachim, Mitchila Avodazara at the beginning, our ancestors were idol worshippers. And the question is, who are these Avoyseinu? Who are these ancestors we're referring to? The Meiri, the Gemara and Psachim says, Avoyseinu means the Jews in Mitzrayim. Yes, the Jews were slaves in Mitzrayim, not just to the nation of Egypt. They were slaves to its Avoyseinu. What might have begun because it was the dominant culture, or because maybe the grandchildren of the Shvatim weren't strong enough to resist the temptation of Mitzrayim's idolatry. But once Klayashal accepted that idolatry, so then they had no right to expect Hashem, so to speak, to save them when they weren't even worshipping Him. And this was so entrenched, this was so deeply embedded, this mistake within Klayashal, that even after all the Nisim, and this is a scary thing to think about, even after all the Makos, when Klai Yisrael find themselves at the banks of the Yamsuf, with the Mitzrim in hot pursuit, and they feel trapped. And at that stage, there's a dilemma in Shemaim. Do the Jewish people deserve to be saved, and the Mitzrim deserve to be destroyed? And obviously the guardian angel of Egypt is going to speak up in their defense. And when he says to Hashem, why should you save the Jews at the expense of the Egyptians? These are idol worshippers and these are also idol worshippers. Even at that stage. Even at that stage. And if that's the case, from the vantage point of the leaders of the Jewish people who saw Klai Yisrael Mitzrayim, and understood this is a result of idolatry. And how can we expect Hashem to save us when we're not even being loyal to Him? They must have looked at it as a hopeless situation. Because if Klai Yisrael were that deeply rooted to Avodah Zarah, how are we going to extricate them from Avodah Zarah so that we can bring about a series of events which will lead to a goal? This was, so to speak, the spiritual stalemate that had developed in Mitzrayim. We need to detach from the Avoid Zara, so to speak, to, de- to find, to free ourselves from Egypt. But what had Klai Yisrael, who's so deeply, so to speak, drowning in the quagmire of Avoid Zara, going to do that? And this was the symbolism of the first sign that Hashem gave Moshe. The snake is no new arrival. We've known about the snake since his first appearance in Galatian to Adam Marisha. 
And the snake there also was a source of defiance of Hashem. The force of Ra which opposes Hashem. And the nace wasn't the fact that Moshe would throw down the stick and would become a snake. The idea was the snake was something so fearsome that even Moshe ran away from it. And when you have such a strong snake, what do you do about it? How do you conquer such a snake? And Hashem's instruction to Moshe was reach out and hold its tail. And as soon as you hold its tail, it will turn back into a staff. Now, let's look at a moment to the snake in, in Ganadin. The snake which enticed Chava and brought her and Adam to sin. And Hashem comes to punish the snake. And one of the punishments meted out to the snake is you're going to bite the heel of the person. The heel is the lowest part of the person. That's where the snake can sink his fangs into. That's where he can inject his venom. But it's going to spread. It's going to spread throughout the person's body. It's going to paralyze him or kill him. And by the Rukhni snake, it's the same idea. The snake has to make his inroads, so to speak. At the, in the area where a person's weakest. When he does that, his influence can spread insidiously over the person until he's been fully, so to speak, lost. Fully enmeshed in the web of Ra, of evil. And now when the snakes are overtaken the person, then it looks like a snake which is too fearsome to combat. It looks like a snake which is people aren't strong enough to overcome. This was the way the Jews felt in Mitzrayim. And the message to the Jewish people. Hold on to its tail. Just like the Yetzara did to you. How he originally got you into the position you find yourself now. Do the same thing in reverse. Find its lowest element, its weakest element. And hold on to that. What was that? We know from the Psukim that the Mitzrayim worshipped the sheep. That doesn't mean the animal, the weak, puny little lamb. When it talks about the Mitzrayim worshipping the sheep, it meant the mazal, the zodiac of the of the lamb, which is the first of the twelve mazalas, the mazal of Nisan. Mitzrayim saw themselves as the first empire and therefore they felt their shefa, their divine bounty came through the first of the twelve constellations of stars which make up the zodiac. That was the clear that we're referring to. Except, being as the physical lamb in this world is a representation of that, so to speak, celestial concept of the mazal clear, so therefore they regarded a sheep in this world also as a sacred item. Not that that was the source of their worship, but that became the mascot or the symbol of their worship. And if that's the case, the instruction to the Jewish people, or to the leaders of the Jewish people, is not to try and detach 
Chayesha from Avodah at its source. Where is that its strongest? Start from the end. Start from the end. At least take the symbols of Avodah and destroy that. And that was a Korban Pesach. Where we had to take the physical sheep, shecht it, throw its blood in the door, roast it in fire. And even though that's not the source of the Avodah that's just its representation here. It's enough to hold on to the tail. If Kaisal were able to break the hold of Avodah even on that lower level, if they could hold on to the tail of the snake, then HaKadosh Baruch would turn the snake back into a stick. HaKadosh Baruch would negate its influence. And this was the first message of hope to the Jewish people. As we see historically, it was hard enough to convince the Jewish people to take the Korban Pesach. If they had been instructed, you have to remove yourselves from the influence of the Avodah Zarah in its source, it would have been much too hard. Zikni Israel didn't know how that was possible to do. And therefore the answer was, start with the tail. It might not be the source of the Avodah Zarah, but it's good enough as a way to hold on to the snake. Because at that stage, Hashem will turn it back into a stick. So that was the first message for the Jewish people. The second message for the Jewish people is because there was a second reason also that the Jewish people were in Goddess. It's a passage in the sixth parasha. Moshe goes out. He sees a mitri beating a Jew. And... He kills the Mitzri. And Moshe goes out on the following day and the Jew whose life he saved turns to him and he says, I'm going to report it to Pari. And Moshe says, Now the matter is known. Rashi explains. Moshe did not understand why the Jewish people deserved to be enslaved more than any other nation. Even if we take into the fact, into the consideration the fact that they were over the Avodah but at that stage the whole world was a place of rampant idolatry. And Moshe says, I see now there's a second fading in the Jewish people. They fight with each other. They speak Lashon Hara about each other. Now I know why they're in Golis. And here too, in this area, the root cause, which came from the selling of Yosef, that original, so to speak, fight between the brothers, but had festered and developed in Klai Yisrael, and it became a reason for all of them to be in Goddess. Here too, the Zikni Yisrael were at a loss. How are we going to undo the effects of the Shnahara on the Jewish society? How are you going to remedy the problem which is causing the goddess? This is the second symbol, the second wonder that they shown by Hashem. He tells them to take your hand out of your clothing and it will be white with Tzaras. Tzaras, as we know, was the penalty, the punishment for Lashonara. Why the hand was chosen? Well, that was the situation where Moshe had seen this. He saw the one Jewish man with his hand raised to his friend. A society where people are willing to 
attack each other, speak ill of each other, slander each other. These are all parts of the reasons why there was a goddess. And Moshe took out his hand and was wife of Tzeras. That's the symbol of the problem. What's the solution? And this was the message to the Jewish people. Hashem tells Moshe, put your hand back a second time into your clothing, take it out and it will become white. It will become, not white, it will become healthy again. We'll go back to the, its former color of the skin is meant to be. The tzeras was cured. What's it meant to represent? Chazal tell us, Haroitza ledabek ba'avas chaveroi if a person wants to build a love for his friend, he should act and do things in his benefit. He should give him things. That's what's going to create a connection. If you want to create a connection between people, the first step has to be, the starting point has to be, that you're able to give. And the idea of putting one's hand back into one's clothing and taking it out is symbolic of the fact I'm taking from myself and giving. That's what's going to cure the Hara. There's even a Midrash, which is Darish in the Pasuk, that it says to leave Egypt. On the one hand, the Jewish people needed to empty Mitzrayim, take all the valuables, all the gold and silver, the diamonds, the fancy clothing that the Egyptians owned, but there was also a mashmos in the Pasuk that the Jewish people would give to each other. What they borrowed from the Mitzrim, they shared. They would give to each other. As slaves, they, before they had nothing else to give. But now they had, so to speak, the wealth of the Egyptians open in front of them. They could share. And that's the second point. The starting point of how to undo the effects of the Shunara. How to do the effects of the, effects of the lack of Bailarim Nachavere, which was in itself a cause of Goddess, is to give. Is to share. Those are the first, of the, those are the first two of the three signs. So let's go back to the Pasuk now. Vayame Na'am. They saw HaKadosh Baruch Hu remembered the Jewish people. The idea of the Nevoah, that Hashem remembered the Jewish people, isn't just Hashem just come to say, Hi, I know you there. It's to give them the way out of the spiritual goddess that they're in. And therefore, the first two out of the three signs Hashem gave them was, so to speak, the road, the route map. How to get out of the spiritual Effects which had caused the goddess. Rabbi said, doesn't this sound familiar to us? Avoid the Zara and Sinas Khinam. We all know the Gemara and Yama. The first place Amidash was destroyed because of Avoid the Zara. The second because of Lashon Hara and Sinas Khinam. Nothing's changed. These were the same two root causes which caused the goddess Mitzrayim. But what we learn from Mitzrayim is how we set about trying to remedy both of these issues. So those were the first two signs that Moshe gave the Jewish people. And that led them 
to an emunah that Hashem has come to redeem them. But what about the third sign? And what does that have to do with the conclusion of the Pasuk? That Hashem could see their affliction. What's the right to that? I'd like to share with you a Kiddush. But first I have to tell you where I came to this idea. A number of years ago, I joined my Kodal on a trip to Poland. One of the sites we visited was the site of the concentration camp which is called Auschwitz-Birkenau. The name of the place was Auschwitz. The reason it's given a second title, Birkenau, the tour guide explained to us, is because at the end of an enormously big camp, there's this huge grove of birch trees. In German, Birkenau. We went there. There's this grove of these enormous stately trees and in the middle is a very still lake. It's very peaceful. It's very pastoral. Could have been a vacation site. This grove of trees with a still lake in the middle. And the tour guide told us, gentlemen, you're standing by the biggest cemetery in the Jewish world. By the biggest basic forest in the world. So the Germans in Machshmam used to take the ashes from the crematoria and dump it in this lake. In this lake are the remains of over a million Jewish people. Again, in this lake are the remains of over a million Jewish people. And you look at the lake you look at the trees, and it's like such a contradiction. How can a place which looks so peaceful and so calm be a place which represents so much tragedy? How can a place which has seen so much evil and so much cruelty look so picturesque? It's a stirrer. It's a contradiction which cries out. And that made me think about the Nile River. The Nile River, we know, flooded its banks. It caused the fields to grow things. This was a source of Egypt's wealth. It was a source of Egypt's, so to speak, uh, farming economy. It was a symbol of life. It was a symbol of plenty. But think how the Jewish people looked at the Nile River. We saw in this exposure Parah's edict, every Jewish boy should be thrown into the Nile River. They saw the Nile River as a basic forest. They saw it as a tragedy. They saw it as a place where all their children had been killed. Not as a place of plenty and life and blessing. As a place of cruelty and pain and suffering. And Hashem tells Moshe, take the water of the river and pour it out and it will turn into blood. 
Hashem is showing the Jewish people, I see the river like you see the river. I don't see it as a compostal river. I don't see it as a place of blessing and goodness. I see blood. I see it as a pokham of tsar. I see it as a place of suffering. And in that third sign, the Jewish people realized, Hashem sees their affliction. The way He sees is the way they see. They bow down. They bow down, the Mishra says, firstly because He's given them the way out. He's come to be poiket, to remember them and show them how to extricate themselves from the maris of Mitzrayim on the spiritual level. They prostrate themselves because they see Kiroas Onyam. Hashem seen their affliction. He's seen that the Nile River is a source of blood. That was the message Hashem gave Moshe. It wasn't for nothing. The signs he chose were exact with the message that Israel needed to hear. And that brought them to the Emunah that Hashem was going to take them out of Mitzrayim.